0: Welcome to Let's Talk Thyroid, where we explore different aspects of living a healthy thyroid lifestyle, positively and practically, to help you thrive and not just survive. Join me, Annabelle Bateman, your host, and Let's Talk Thyroid. Let's take a deep dive into what actually causes Hashimoto's. It is certainly not simple, and so I'm going to do my best to simplify A whole range of different information that I have learnt about what causes Hashimoto's, what might trigger flares, that type of thing. And as we're talking about Hashimoto's, we're remembering that this is an autoimmune disease, and so some of the things that I'm talking about, uh, I have, I understand, could also um, be root causes for Graves' disease, which is the overactive. Autoimmune thyroid disease. So whilst they present quite difficult differently at core, they're both autoimmune diseases. So what we're looking at is what actually triggers that autoimmunity, what causes that? So let's take a deep dive, see what we can uncover, and know too that my plan is to dig deeper into many of these root causes over time. So this is like an overview. I'm trying to do a few foundational Uh, episodes uh, in the early stages of the Let's Talk Thyroid podcast so that we've all got a basic grounding uh, of some of the the fundamentals to understanding uh, thyroid disease, which is so complex. We really need to appreciate that um, Hashimoto's and all thyroid disease really affects the whole body and multiple body systems. So this is complex, I'm not medically trained, I'm just trying to explain it from a patient point of view and someone who has spent 20 plus years trying to understand my own thyroid health and I just love sharing what I've learned and what I do with others just in the hope that it might help you to understand your own health better uh, and, you know, just it might cause you to go digging a little bit deeper into your own health so that you can feel fantastic uh, because often with Hashimoto's we can feel a bit blah and I know that it's possible to feel much better than that. So I share all this information to help you to uh, really thrive and not just survive. So I honestly don't remember when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thinking about why, (laughs) what, what caused this, what, what, what happened? Yeah, you know, did something happen in my life? Was I, uh, what what's triggered this? It's certainly not something that I've really gave any conscious attention to, until probably much later in my thyroid journey. And I, but I have spent a fair bit of time looking back and trying to understand what might have been some of the triggers for me. And so as we talk about these, I might I'll give you some. Uh, Some thoughts, I suppose, as I look back into my own history and what might have triggered it. It is important to take time to go back and try to work out as best as we can, what was the underlying root causes and triggers for you? Uh, Because otherwise, really, the medication and any diet lifestyle changes that you make um, are really like cover ups, I suppose. They should help you feel a bit better, but if we don't actually remove the things that are triggering uh, our autoimmunity, if we then you know we, we're probably more prone to flares and really not feeling as good as we could. So uh, that is another reason why taking a long-term holistic approach to managing your health is really important. Now, like I said a few minutes ago, this is complex uh, and If you want to understand some of the detailed medical complexities, then I suggest you pick up the book called The Root Cause by Dr. Isabella Wentz. She's known as the thyroid pharmacist and is a wealth of knowledge, uh, research information, uh, and she has Hashimoto's as well. So she also understands the, I guess, the personal implications. So I will put the link to that book in the show notes. So or it's just called The Root Cause by Dr. Isabella Wentz. The other person that uh, I know talks a fair bit about this is Dr. Dartsis Karatsian, and he covered the core causes and triggers in a Hashimoto's course of his that I did recently. Uh, And I'll pop the link to the Karatsian Institute in the show notes as well. So there's probably many more uh, scientific and medical experts who can give you the deep dive into the science behind these root causes and triggers? So check them out if you want to dig deeper into that. Keep in mind too that thyroid disease is not linear; uh, it is complex, and depending on what's going on in our life, can actually I mean we can we can take all sorts of twists and turns in our thyroid health journey. So just bear that in mind. It's not oh, okay. Tick worked out uh, that this is what triggers my thyroid issue, I'll pull that out and I'll never have that problem again. Wish it was that simple, but just bear that in mind. Now the first thing to know is that there are certain genes that are associated with Hashimoto's. So we do have to have that genetic predisposition. I think I heard Dr Karatzian say there was something like 99 different genes that are associated with Hashimoto's. So just know that really we have that genetic predisposition and whether those genes are then turned on will depend on some of these other things that we're going to talk about. Then there are environmental factors that can contribute to the expression of those genes. So things like whether you smoke, drink alcohol, whether you're deficient in selenium, vitamin D, um, have iodine intake, uh, major stressful circumstances, infections, medications, there are all sorts of different environmental factors that combined with a genetic predisposition and other factors like being female seems to... uh, make it more likely that you will have an autoimmune disease, um, thyroid disease. There are actually four main categories of triggers for Hashimoto's. So they are dietary proteins, and I'm going to go into that in a minute, lifestyle factors, chemical exposure, and pathogens, or that sort of infection connection. So I'm going to put in the show notes a Slide that came from the training that I did with Dr. Carazzi and it shared with his permission, and so that will give you really a good snapshot of all of these different triggers. And so that might be a good way to, good place to start to have a look and think about whether all of you can relate to any of these specific things. So let's go through them one by one. So dietary protein. So this is where what we eat uh, can actually trigger an autoimmune response and present itself as a thyroid disease. So common dietary proteins that can be triggers for Hashimoto's are gluten. Now, if you've been hanging around here for a little while, you'll know that a gluten-free diet is fairly commonly uh, recommended by many medical and health professionals for thyroid disease and in part of part of that is because it just is a typically inflammatory food so it helps to calm that inflammation and the other main reason is the impact that gluten can have on our gut health and we really want our gut health to be as good as it can be for a number of reasons with hashimotos but one is that a lot of our immune system is found in our gut and we want to support our immune system as best as we can And also there's a portion of our thyroid hormone, like the inactive form T4, that is actually converted into the active form of thyroid hormone called T3 in the gut. So we want to make sure our gut is as healthy as we can. So gluten is a key dietary protein that can trigger Hashimoto's, as is casein, which is your dairy protein. Uh, Other grains can, the, um, the proteins in other grains Uh, Iodine can actually be a trigger for Hashimoto's so you want to be very careful about supplementing with iodine unless you are really being monitored by a health professional. Uh, Lectins uh, which are commonly found in many nightshades and legumes so that is why often a paleo diet uh, or an autoimmune paleo diet is recommended for Hashimoto's because it actually removes many of these dietary proteins that can trigger that autoimmune response. That So really any pro-inflammatory diet, so if we're eating foods that are typically inflammatory uh, or that might be highly processed or have lots of artificial colorings, flavorings, or just highly processed Food can also be a, you know, a trigger for Hashimoto's. Some of the key lifestyle factors that that can trigger that autoimmune response are things like lack of sleep, like insomnia, and we know how important now that sleep is for us managing our stress levels and our inflammation. So if you are chronically chronic insomnia, then that could be something that is enough to trigger. That autoimmune response. If you've got those underlying genetic factors, uh, other things here would be a sedentary lifestyle. So if you, you know, not very mobile, I suppose. Uh, co- almost in contrast to that, overtraining or overstimulating, being too, you know, busy pushing yourself too much, can be another, uh, another trigger. Things like smoking and alcohol and drug use. I mean, we know there are risk factors for lots of different uh, health concerns. Uh, really, even things like being in an unhealthy relationship can actually cause enough stress on your body that that can trigger an autoimmune response. And aside from that, just stress, just that constant state of being stressed where our body can't rest and relax and heal uh, is a common trigger for autoimmune disease. The next category is things like chemicals. Now chemical, we're kind of exposed to chemicals everywhere, aren't we? You know, and there's certain things that are actually beyond our control. So if we're going to live in a city in modern life, we're going to be exposed to car pollution, air pollution, all those sorts of things. But there have been connections to chemical exposure and triggering Hashimoto's. So if you are exposed to a lot of chemicals uh, or you might say you work in an environment where you're exposed to a lot of chemicals like pesticides or fire retardants, those sorts of things, then that could be a problem or that that could be something that might have triggered that autoimmune response for you. Even your BPAs uh, in your plastics Are actually a much bigger issue than I had realised, and I think over time I've tried probably like many of you to replace plastics with glass, uh, to drink out of glass water bottles, not plastic, um, just to really try to reduce that plastic exposure. But apparently, even the BPA free, and you know, plastics are still not still not good for those of us with thyroid issues. So we. I guess one really practical thing that we can do is do our best to remove plastics from our, um, certainly our food and our water. Uh, I would say that would probably be a key thing that we can control. And actually removing chemicals from our life as much as we can, that's something that I've found uh, essential oils have been really helpful for so over time I've been able to replace all my cleaning products and skincare products personal care products with much cleaner toxic free versions and so that's something that we can do over time so it's expensive to do it all at once I mean you could just throw everything out and start again but over time you know each time something runs out like your surface spray or your laundry liquid or Uh, your skin moisturizer Uh, each time one of those things runs out replace it with a toxic free version there's lots of beautiful options now that's certainly where my essential oils have come into their own because I can make my own surface spray, I can make my own facial oils, or I can just buy ready-made ones that, already, that just don't have those toxins in them. So whilst there's a lot of chemical exposure we can't control, there actually is a lot that we can control. The next main category of triggers for Hashimoto's would be pathogens, or that concept of the infection connection. So this is where your body might have been exposed to infections in the past uh, that Combined with, you know, dietary issues or lifestyle factors or chemicals, it could just be the perfect storm to trigger an autoimmune response. So the most common pathogens that are problematic uh, would be things like H. pylori, hepatitis C, Epstein-Barr virus, which is commonly referred to as glandular fever, Even things like Lyme disease or herpes or um, paravirus, they can all play a role. So if you know that you've been exposed to these different things in the past, you've got a blood test that says that you have had Epstein-Barr virus, that kind of thing, then that could be part of unraveling what has caused uh, your um, autoimmune thyroid response. The vast majority of people with Hashimoto's are women. Uh, something like eight to one or ten to one, depending on which uh, statistics that you're looking at, so compared to men. And often it's those significant changes in hormones that can com- can be a trigger as well. So puberty, uh, pregnancy, menopause—they're the key, the key um, hormonal shifts, but they're they're quite common. I'm pretty convinced that as I look back and try to work out my thyroid story, that some of the key triggers definitely puberty, uh, stress. Uh, I think when I was about eight, I'd moved from the country to the city, and that was actually quite a stressful time for me. So, and I'm someone that puts a lot of stress and pressure on myself. <laughs> um, I have fairly high standards that I um, try to live up to, and. So that internal stress definitely would have been a factor. I've also have had H. pylori and EBV show up in blood tests. I certainly had um, a lot of things like tonsillitis as a kid and therefore antibiotics and therefore disruption to, the, to my gut health. I didn't make any dietary changes until really, you know, probably significantly in the last seven or eight years. So I would have had a lot of dietary triggers uh, at play as well. So look there's probably more things, but they're probably the, they're the key things that stand out for me as I look at back in history uh, in, at my my thyroid story. And over time I've guess I've done my best to try to address those triggers. I have certainly actively been working on reducing my stress levels. Uh, that's a constant for me. I do know that that is, is a regular trigger. So that's important. Uh, I have worked with my doctor on addressing those core viral infections and that pathogenic take on things. Obviously, I can't do anything about puberty, (laughs) but uh, I'm conscious of hormonal shifts. And I suppose as I head towards perimenopause, then I will be alert to those changes in hormones and what that might how that might impact my thyroid health. And certainly, I have done a lot to reduce uh, my exposure to dietary triggers and the and, and the chemical load. So that's how I have been, I guess, practically trying to work through those different aspects and just being alert that things change over time and different lives as we go through different life circumstances that can. Uh, trigger little flares. So just being alert to the sorts of things that can pose a problem for autoimmune conditions that uh, that in, in and of itself is really helpful. If you think that dietary triggers could be a problem for you, then you might want to check out my 30-day wellness challenge because I take all of the guesswork out of it and walk you through 30 days of a paleo diet. So that's removing most of those dietary triggers that we've talked about. And just holding your hand, I guess, through it for 30 days. So I'll pop the links to that in my show notes or head to my website. You'll find that under 30-day wellness challenge. And if you think that perhaps chemical triggers could be at play for you or you really want to reduce those household exposure to toxins, then I would love to introduce you to the world of doTERRA essential oils. So, again, head to my website, AnnabelleBateman.com. Love to help you and help you to remove some of those chemicals that we can control uh, in a way that is simple, easy, cost effective, and smells really, really good. So have a great week, everybody. And I'll see you next time. Speaking of next time, next episode, join me as I have a conversation with my personal doctor, Dr. Ellen App Thomas, who I've been seeing for my holistic approach to thyroid health for over 14 years. Ellen has a wealth of knowledge and experience. She talks fast. She's got lots of information to share. So stay tuned for next episode of Let's Talk Thyroid. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Thyroid. I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and share it with others that you know with thyroid problems. Let's get the message out there. If you'd like to connect with me further, the best place to do that is via my website, com. From there, you'll be able to join my Facebook group, book a strategy session with me, download my freebie um, and access any show notes for this episode. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Bye. The information presented and discussed in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease and should not be used as a substitute for proper advice from a qualified professional. Have you read Let's Talk Thyroid yet? That is the book that I put out last year. It is all about positive and practical thyroid help for the new thyroid patient Uh, or for the thyroid patient that is new to the idea that there's anything other than taking your medication that you can do for your thyroid health. Grab your copy from Amazon or from my website, letstalkthyroid.com, or grab a copy for a friend who is struggling with their thyroid health and just needs some really accessible, light-sized, practical and positive information that's going to give you hope for your thyroid future.